it is needless to say that 2020 was a very interesting but challenging year. COVID actually occupied the discussion for the entire year. Whether you are in the healthcare industry or not, you have to face what COVID had to deliver. And boy, did it deliver. I'm not even sure we are out of the woods yet, but it seems like there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So now that we are in 2021, today is January 1st, 2021, and I decided to do a podcast on this topic because I think it's just ideal to talk about what happened in 2020 and what I've learned financially. What are the financial lessons that I have learned during this whole pandemic in 2020? This is a financial podcast, so therefore I'm not going to talk about what is happening scientifically and also medically. I'm going to address some of the financial lessons that I've learned. Uh, If you had put your emergency fund into the market, then you could have seen a 35% drop in the value of your fund. We still have financial commitments every month that we need to meet. All the other people, the small business owners, the restaurateurs, the travel industry, the hotel industry, have been totally decimated by the closure of the economy. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. The audience know that I launched this podcast in April of this year, actually last year, 2020, because I actually could not go work in the emergency department. My long-term care homes were in outbreak and my hospital did not allow me to go work in the emergency department. So I've been segregated at home for the last almost uh, eight to nine months. The only time I was able to go work was in July and August. So like many of you, I've lost quite a bit of income. I've lost income in the emergency department because I couldn't go in to work any shifts at all. I couldn't do any COVID assessment centers. I couldn't do any vaccination clinics. And so from an emergency standpoint, I was not allowed to step foot in the hospital as long as my homes were on outbreak. And so from that perspective, my income has been significantly reduced over those summer uh, months. In addition to that, in my family practice, due to the reduction in volume, my income from my family practice has also significantly been reduced. Overall, my income has reduced by at least 30 to 40 percent. Like most of you, uh, we've seen that significant drop, but I think some of you have seen even worse, up to 50 percent of drop in income in 2020. Since April until now, during my podcast, we have talked about many financial concepts and many financial lessons. When I put all these together and how I see 2020 rolled out, I now see a few things that we should talk about and lessons that are learned from COVID. So from my experience and experiences from my colleagues 
during this entire year, I have come up with a list of top 10 financial lessons in COVID during 2020. Okay, then let's start with lesson number one. So the first lesson that I realized during this year was that our profession in the healthcare industry, whether we are doctors or nurses, nurse practitioners or physician assistants, maybe not so much the dentist and the optometrist, but the vast majority of us have what I already perceive as a recession proof profession. But now with COVID, seeing all the other people, the small business owners, the restaurateurs, the travel industry, the hotel industry have been totally decimated by the closure of the economy while we are still working. I understand that many of us have lost, you know, 30 to 40%, even 50% of their annual income, like my own experience. But still, I consider myself lucky that I haven't lost my business, I haven't lost my mortgage, I haven't lost my entire business and life savings to the lockdown. And so from that perspective, I think that the healthcare industry is a fairly robust industry with uh, a lot of characteristics that protects us from recession, but also protects us from a pandemic. And in fact, if we look at how hard everyone's working in the healthcare industry, especially the nurses, we can see how many of us are working overtime and long, working long hours, which by itself is not a good thing because we are stretched really thin and we are all stressed out. But from a finance perspective, I think we are relatively protected from the shutdown of the economy. So for me, the first lesson is that the healthcare industry, whether we are doctors, physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistant, we work in an industry which has been spared, uh, relatively speaking, compared to other industries. Okay, so lesson number two for me was that despite our drop in income and revenue for 2020, and most likely going into 2021, we still have financial commitments every month that we need to meet. And so the lesson that I've learned is this, it's very difficult to keep up with the Joneses. And in fact, we should not, right? I've been saying this all along. But also what I'm saying is live within your means. And the means mean don't spend more than what you make. And I know that once we come out from residency, we make four to sometimes five, ten times what we make as a resident. And so for a lot of specialties, they actually make 10 to 15 times what they were making as a resident. And so you can see that people are willing to spend more than what they are making. When they see this new income jump, they are very eager to spend it all. And so a lot of us, you know, when we go to the bank to get a mortgage, based on our annual salary, we are given maybe three to four times our annual salary in terms of what we can afford as a mortgage. So if you can imagine if I'm a specialist and I'm making 750 or even $1 million in annual revenue, that the bank is willing to give me a mortgage of three to $4 million, just enough to hang myself with, 
And so if we are making that amount of salary, but we are taking full advantage and maximizing our mortgage, you can understand that during a time like this where our revenue can significantly drop by 30-40%, trying to keep up with that mortgage or trying to keep up with the financing of that Ferrari or of that Mercedes-Benz or of that BMW, uh, definitely puts a lot of strain on your monthly cash flow. And so please remember, just because the bank is allowing you to hang yourself on a $3, $4 million mortgage, it doesn't mean that we have to do it. And so make sure that you're not keeping up with the Joneses. But also make sure you don't fail the adult marshmallow test, which I've already explained what that is in previous podcasts. Okay, so now to lesson number three, which relates to lesson number one and lesson number two. The third lesson I've learned is that cash flow is very important, as we've just discussed earlier. But what's even more important than cash flow is cash. So you know the old saying that cash is king? Well, it's absolutely true. And so having cash on hand and having liquidity on hand, when suddenly our revenue and income can drop by 30 to 40%, as you can see, could be life-saving. When we talk about cash, we also talk about what's liquid and what's in our bank account. And remember uh, in March when the market dropped by 35%? If one had cash, one can significantly take advantage of that drop in the market and buy in uh, when the market is on a fire sale. If we were comparing March until today, the market has gone up not only back to its baseline, but has increased by another 10%. So having cash on hand gives you that opportunity to actually jump into the market when the time is right. If you don't have that cash on hand or because you're tied up in mortgages or in other finances, then you cannot take advantage of those opportunities. Remember, cash flow and cash are king and maybe queen. It is always good to have those two things at your disposal. Now let's jump to lesson number four. This is a lesson that I'm so happy I learned very early, but it came into use uh, right now in 2020. And that has to do with having cash, having liquidity, and uh, living within your means, and having the habit of saving. And that I'm talking about having an emergency fund. The typical thing that people say is have three to six months of liquidity to cover monthly expenses. And having that emergency fund is so important, especially for those of us who have suffered uh, throughout this time where our income has significantly dropped. And as I mentioned earlier in lesson number two, even though our revenues have dropped, our monthly financial commitments have not gone away. So it's important to have something to weather that storm and save for the rainy day. Who would have thought that COVID would bring rainy days to even healthcare professionals? Remember that your emergency fund is usually saved or invested in some sort of vehicle that is secure uh, and also steady. Uh, if you had put your emergency fund into the market, then uh, you could have seen a 35% drop in the value of your fund. Uh, we are lucky that the market recuperated very quickly within six to nine months. 
But what if the market did not do that? And so right now we would be holding uh, assets that could be potentially 30% less than what it was before. And so not a very good way to have an emergency fund when all of a sudden you lose 35%. So invest or save your emergency fund in vehicles that protect capital, but also make a decent rate of return. Okay, now let's go to the fifth lesson that I've learned with this COVID pandemic. As I mentioned earlier, I could not go and work in the emergency department for that amount of time because I could not uh, step foot in the department due to the fact that my nursing homes were on outbreak. And because of that, I lost a significant amount of income during that time. Some of us have lived through that in many other ways, not necessarily because they were kept away from work, but simply because they were not able to operate, were not able to do elective surgeries, were not able to manage clinics. Whatever reason it may be, income could have dropped from that. And so the financial lesson that I have learned is, what can I do in my profession that I can do from home? And now working from home is the new normal. Funny enough, it now behooves us, even as healthcare professionals, you know, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, chiropractors, physio, optometrists, dentists, we now all have to think about what we can do from home and how we can generate an income, even though we're not physically at work in our regular place of work. And so having to think of new ways to generate income from home is important right now. Different from other people who are employees who have either a computer job or desk job, those make it easier to work from home. But for many of us, we need our hands, we need our eyes, we need to touch patients, we need to communicate with patients. And how can we do that at home if we're not doing it in the office or at the clinic or at the hospital? And so we now have to think of innovative ways to provide the care uh, that we usually do, but from home. And it may not necessarily be providing direct patient care. It could mean other things that uses our knowledge, skills, attitude, aptitude, and experience. And so many of us have launched new careers in IT, in social media, in consulting work. Many of us and my colleagues have started writing blogs or started online business or delivering education through the internet. I know many of my colleagues have also started writing books as a new way of earning income. So how can I use what I know or the experience that I've gathered over the years to do something different but still in medicine, in nursing, in dentistry, and in healthcare. We now have to think of new ways to deliver our competence, skills, and experience. All of these are valuable because we've earned them throughout our training and work experience. And now we can use them and figure innovative ways to monetize them because that's really what we do when we go to work. We translate our time and effort and presence for an income. Going forward, need to, we need to figure out how to do the same thing, monetize that, 
not at our regular place of practice. Okay, so the sixth lesson that I have learned, which really relates to the last one, is having multiple revenue streams. As healthcare professionals, we spend our entire life training and mastering what we went in to do in university. So to become a doctor, to become a nurse, a dentist, a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, an optometrist, we spend our entire life learning that one single skill. But it is clear for me now that after COVID, and even before COVID, it was clear to me that one needs to have multiple revenue streams because we need to, one, re-energize our career, two, have some diversity in our career, and three, think of ways to earn an income if we are no longer able or no longer willing or no longer want to work in our profession of training. And that happens. We thought we wanted to be a doctor or a dentist or a physio. And then later in life, our preferences change, our lifestyle change, our mentality change, and we may no longer feel comfortable or we may no longer feel energized in going to work. And so having those multiple streams of revenue allows one to pivot. And even if we don't want to pivot, I always want to be an emergency doctor. I always want to be a family doctor. But some days it takes a toll on me and it would be nice to have something to fall back on. Uh, and even if it means to diversify my week, where one day I go to the emergency department, another day I go to my family practice, and the rest of the week I work on my other profession or side job where I am constantly re-energized so that when I go back to the emergency department or when I go back to my family practice, I no longer feel this boredom, this sense of blah and this inertia to go back to work. Now, some of you may think, well, you're feeling this inertia because you're burnt out. Possibly. I don't know if the audience know, but most recent study came out and showed that 86% of emergency doctors across Canada are burnt out. And 40% of all comer doctors in Canada are burnt out. And so if we are feeling that way, then we need something else to re-energize us. What is it? What allows us to re-energize ourselves? If we cannot be compassionate and empathic to our patients, how good are we in treating them? So we must think of ways to get ourselves out of this rut, out of this burnout. Otherwise, we are doing our patients not any good at all. Having that diversity of practice may come in as a solution. It may not be a solution for everybody, but for some of us, it may just be enough to re-energize us to what we were training to become, caring physicians, nurses, dentists, nurse practitioners, physician assistants. The same way I have been taught to diversify my asset portfolios, why would I not try to diversify my own career and practice? It just seems like the logical thing to do. Now with COVID, it just seems logical that we no longer can rely on one single source of revenue. 
And COVID is just one example of an event that can happen to the world and to the global economy. If it's not COVID, it's something else. And if it's not next year, it's five years from now or seven years from now. We just need to be ready. And you can't develop a career suddenly. It has to be built over time. Okay, my lesson number seven, and that is building a good risk mitigation foundation. Yeah, let me repeat it one more time. Building a good risk mitigation foundation. As healthcare professionals, we are not immune to COVID, or at least without the vaccine, we're not immune to COVID. So we can suffer the same illness, the same severity of illness as everyone else. We have the same likelihood of being very ill, ended up in the hospital, in the ICU, intubated. And in fact, many of our physician and nursing colleagues down in the U.S. have lost their lives to COVID. From that perspective, we are absolutely extremely lucky. But it does not mean that it will continue forever. The tides can change and all of a sudden we could be in the same scenario as our colleagues in the United States. A lot of my colleagues in Canada still have not put themselves in a position where they can face COVID head on. What do I mean? While many of my colleagues still do not have life insurance, what if they were to catch COVID and eventually end up in a really bad situation, being intubated and then pass away from it? What, how does that leave their family, their children? And being not prepared for this type of eventuality is somewhat irresponsible. I strongly believe that once you are married and have children, you no longer live for yourself, but you have to live for your family and provide for your family. Whether you want to purchase term insurance or whole life insurance, it doesn't matter. What matters is having proper risk mitigation tool to transfer the risk and not take on the entire burden onto yourself. The second type of insurance that is also crucially needed, even before COVID, is disability insurance. And that is an insurance to cover your paycheck. But to be honest, it's the insurance to cover whatever investment you have made so far. Because if you are not working, then you're not making an income. So all those investments made prior to you making an income, the sacrifices in university, all those tuition paid are now lost if you're unable to work and generate a paycheck. For me, these two types of insurance are crucial and it becomes even more obvious now that we have COVID. As we can see with our colleagues down in the US, some of us can get severely ill and severely disabled due to the respiratory or even the embolic consequences of COVID. And so not being able to go back to a full-time work is financially devastating. So even more than ever, these type of insurances and risk mitigation tool are needed. Okay, so we have done seven lessons so far. I've got three more to go and they're actually quite intuitive. But even though they are intuitive, it may not be obvious to most of us, and 
It's one of those things that we leave for the next day. Someone once told me when I was younger, "Why do it today when we can do it tomorrow?" So, lesson number eight: failing to plan is to plan for failure, and that is so true. We are all very busy, and we live busy lives because we are very busy at our work, because we want to excel at our work and our profession. But that doesn't mean that we can neglect the other aspects of our lives. Trust me, I've done it. It took me so long to get to where I am today financially because I did not plan properly. Even for this podcast, I was thinking of launching this podcast so long ago, and it's not until April of this year that I've launched it. Like everybody else, we have the tendency to kick the can down the road, but for some of these things, we cannot afford to kick the can down the road. Proper financial planning can wait somewhat, but cannot wait too long, because if we wait too long, we lose. The power of compounding. We lose the years that we cannot recuperate, and many of the financial plans and strategies actually take time to come to fruition. And so, the more time you lose, the less likely that your plan will succeed. And God forbid that if we come down and catch COVID, then that may mean the end of our planning because we may no longer be able to plan. We may no longer be. Healthy enough to plan, or we may no longer have the ability to purchase the different risk mitigation insurance that we need to prepare our financial future. We cannot underestimate the impact that an illness can create in terms of our ability to purchase insurances in the future. Once someone has come down with an illness, and it could be COVID. I believe that going forward, it will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to purchase insurances. And also, once someone is hit with COVID and severely disabled from it, it will be extremely difficult to put plans into place. And even if we are able to put plans into place, it may not be as effective as prior to having COVID. In fact, if we think about planning, this is the perfect time. Many insurance companies, due to the physical distancing and social distancing, no longer requires medical exams for policies under two million dollars. So policies are now acquired through a very straightforward way. If any time is the best time to purchase an insurance policy or disability policy, it is now. It is also now the perfect opportunity to get acquainted with a planner and with an advisor to plan for the future, because a lot of these advisors are now working from home and have lots of time to dedicate to you personally. This is the way of the future. A lot of the things are done virtually and over meeting platforms, so there is no more need to meet face to face. And opens up more time for these individuals. And honestly, even for us, we can now speak to these advisors and planners in the evenings、um, after work, and on these virtual meeting platforms. And so there's no limitation in time anymore. And going forward, there's no more excuse for I don't have the time. Trust me, I've taken that excuse out of my pockets. 
many times uh, in my past. Even myself, I no longer have that excuse anymore. The ninth lesson that I've learned is the fact that we should do our wills and our power of attorneys. Given the amount of deaths that we see every day in Canada, but also much worse in the US, we no longer can have the luxury of delaying um, proper planning for our wills and our power of attorneys for finance and care. I think everybody in this audience can understand that. We see people coming down with COVID. We, some of them survive, some of them are asymptomatic, but a minority of them become really ill and an even smaller minority will pass away. And not having a will is disastrous for those individuals because the death is so sudden. Unfortunately, one does not know in which category in which category they will belong to. Will they be asymptomatic? Will they have a mild illness? Will they have a severe illness? Or would they even die from the illness? So there's no way to tell at this current moment once someone gets COVID. And so not being prepared with a will and not being prepared with a power of attorney is definitely something that we need to seriously think about now. I myself have put the making of a will and power of attorney and left it on my table for a long, long time. And to be honest, I have not gotten to it for three years. And it took me three years to get those things done. And so I currently, I am so happy that I've had it done, but I still have a lot of colleagues who do not have them. And so I urge everyone to, as quickly as possible, get your wills and power of attorney done, especially during these very difficult and challenging times. And we don't know when this will end in spite of having vaccines. Healthcare professionals are great procrastinators but I think it's no longer the time to be a procrastinator. Okay, finally, lesson number 10. And this comes back to our lesson number one, the one that I've learned. What I realized is that the healthcare industry is a very good industry and we are very lucky and we are very blessed because for most part, this industry is recession proof. And as we've seen, it is also pandemic proof. I recognize that many of our colleagues have reduced income this year, but we have not lost everything. We still are working. In fact, some of us are working even more. And so unlike other industries, the travel industry, the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, we are still surviving and we are very blessed. And I think in situations like this, we need to do more than what we usually do. We need to be helping others, especially for those in need, and create a sense of community. Now is the time for us to give more and give back. It is now time for us to be more charitable. And so the lesson that I've learned throughout these months of 2020 is that we are in a position to help others and we should do it now. We are in fact in it together. 
and we need to be supportive of other industries that have been severely devastated. Despite our own challenges, we are truly blessed. So there it is. Those are the lessons I've learned for this year. It has been a really challenging year. It has its ups and downs, mainly downs, but now we're seeing the light, hopefully with the vaccine, and hopefully we'll get out of this sooner than later. My hope is that with this podcast, that I reach as many healthcare professionals as possible so that we all set ourselves nicely for 2021 and that we all put our best foot forward and that financially we do better, have more security, and hopefully we'll be able to combat burnout. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice. 